0: Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're going to be returning to our study in the book of Daniel. This will be study number three of Daniel chapter one. We're going to begin reading Daniel one verse three. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. And I'll stop reading there. Now, um... In our study in the book of Daniel, we have already seen that in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, King Nebuchadnezzar took captives to Babylon. And this was a part of the judgment of God upon the people of Judah because of their rebelliousness against him, their failure to um, uh, to observe and to keep the commandments of god and their falling into uh, the worship of idols and in uh, developing high places and we've also seen how that relates to the falling away of the church at the time of the end and it's a picture of the great tribulation period well here in this passage we're we're uh, discovering that Daniel and his three friends are uh, given over to the master of the eunuchs, the prince of the eunuchs has control over them, and of course that would mean that Daniel uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego their uh, which are the Babylonian names given to them, are eunuchs themselves once. Judah was um, overcome, and the captives were taken. Certain of the captains were of the captives were um, singled out, and it was determined. Well, you will, uh, you will do service to the king, and they were made eunuchs. They underwent a procedure that the Babylonians forced on them, turning them into eunuchs so we're we're going to look at the word eunuch and see how God uses it in the Bible uh, to try and get a a better understanding of uh, why it is that God is uh, indicating that uh, this most faithful man daniel and and his faithful friends who obviously are pictures and types of God's elect. Why um, God likens them, or well, he doesn't liken them. They were um, historically made eunuchs, and yet they were they were elect. Now the word eunuch is Strong's number fifty six thirty one in the Hebrew, and it's also translated as officer and as chamberlain. Now, surprisingly, this word is used of a person that we wouldn't think of as a eunuch. Um, In Genesis chapter 37, in Genesis 37, and the last verse, verse 36, it says, And the Midianites sold him. That's referring to Joseph into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. The word officer in this verse is the word eunuch that, that we have in Daniel and in other places in the Old Testament. Now it's used again of Potiphar in Genesis 39 in verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, again, the word officer is that Hebrew word, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. So, this is saying that Potiphar, a eunuch of Pharaoh, or Or it could be that this word um, has taken upon itself the connotation of being an official, because often those um, who were made eunuchs were also officials of the king. In the New Testament, the Ethiopian eunuch that Philip, Joins himself to, who's in his chariot reading the prophet Isaiah was said to be an official, a man of great authority under Candace the queen. Now we'll, we'll read some more about that a little later, but, but that's the idea. See, he, he could be a trusted servant, a trusted official of the king in capacity to Candace the queen because he was a eunuch. Often those made eunuchs were in possession of authority like the Ethiopian eunuch. Well, so that could mean that not uh, in every case is this word referring to someone made a eunuch, but perhaps it is referring to um just just someone who is an official i'm i'm saying perhaps because i'm not too sure i'm not sure about potiphar because we know he had a wife potiphar um that that was the whole problem potiphar brought joseph into his house and his wife cast her eyes upon joseph although it's possible i suppose for a eunuch to have been married but still it It would seem that in Potiphar's case, it's, uh, basically indicating he was an official of the king. But let's keep looking uh, at this word in Esther. In Esther chapter one, it says in verse 10, on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded mehuman, biztha, harbona, bigtha, And Abigtha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king. And the word chamberlains is the word eunuchs. And uh, we, we could see here where they're definitely officials, men of authority in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And it's likely, in this case, that they were also eunuchs, made eunuchs, in, in order to serve in that capacity. In Esther 2, it says, beginning in verse 1, After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the king's eunuch keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given them. In, in this case, it would be obvious due to um, to Hege's um, position in being keeper of the women that he would have been made a eunuch. Uh, so so this word um, is translated as officer in Chamberlain, yet it is the same word eunuch in Esther 4 it says, in verse four, so Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know. What it was, and why it was, and and so here Hatak has the ability to meet privately with Esther the queen, and he's a chamberlain, he's a eunuch. Therefore, you can trust that there, there's no appearance of evil of any kind uh, that uh, that anything could happen with the queen and her chamberlain, because he has um, uh, been castrated, they have performed surgery upon him, and and therefore the king can trust these officials to work in his house and to operate in his house, and he, he doesn't have to uh, worry in that other, or be concerned in that other area, um, with his um, queen or or other brides that he might have. Well, let's look at some other places where where God uses this word to speak of eunuchs in in the Book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 56, we we start to get some idea of the spiritual uh, reason for eunuchs and and why God is interested in eunuchs in the Bible. In Isaiah 56, beginning in verse 3, it says, Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to Jehovah speak, saying, Jehovah hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith Jehovah unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them An everlasting name that shall not be cut off, and you you see that when someone's made a eunuch, they cannot have children. They cannot have a son. They cannot have a daughter. It's impossible uh, for them to have children, and 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 so uh, God here is encouraging the eunuch and and telling him of the great blessing that being a child of God uh, really is, look, you will have an everlasting name. You, God is speaking to the eunuchs, will have a name uh, and a place within his house, and that name will be better than sons and daughters in the world in this life man has children and the children are able to uh carry his name they they prolong the name of that person and and sometimes it goes on for generations uh, a man has a child and that child has has also has a child and so the name is continued it's, uh, in a way, it's just a form of lengthening a person's name, who they are. And and men are, of course, very concerned about that. They want to leave a lasting impression. They, they really want an, an eternal impression, which is impossible with this world. But the closest thing you can get to it is to have your name endure. That's why men seek fame and and seek to be known by everyone. They want their name to endure. And and so they have children who carry their name. But the problem with this world is this world will not endure forever and no one's name. No no unsaved person's name will endure forever. Every unsaved person and their descendants will be cut off eventually. Their name will end. And that's the problem with being a eunuch. You, you cannot have uh, a descendant. Your name, your family name cannot continue after you. You cannot have a son that bears your name, and and so in in that way, a eunuch really is a good picture of an unsaved person who uh, their line is cut off, uh, as God cut off the line of the kings when He cursed um, the the line of the kings, and and ended that line after that twenty third. King of Judah, there would be no more kings of Judah or Israel that um, would be viewed as kings in God's sight because He cut off the line. Well, the the eunuch is really a picture of an unsaved person, and because their their line is cut off, they cannot have children, and Yet God is able to give them an everlasting name as he grants eternal life to those that he saves. And, and God, uh, in giving eternal life to the sinner, he makes their name last forever. And, and that's what the Lord is saying in speaking to the eunuchs who say they're like a dry tree. Well, thus saith Jehovah unto the eunuchs, that keep my Sabbaths, that's the Sabbath rest, and how does someone keep God's Sabbath? By doing no work of any kind themselves in in regards to salvation. The Bible um, tells us we can't do any work that would be acceptable in God's sight, and 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 so when god saves a person they enter into his rest they trust completely in the work of the lord jesus christ the work of his faith and 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 so the eunuchs that keep god's sabbath that enter into that rest and choose the things that please god and uh, that also reminds us of isaiah 58 where God says in verse 13, If thou wilt turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of Jehovah honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in Jehovah." And it will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of Jehovah has spoken it. That is what the Lord is making reference to, a eunuch who has entered into God's rest and who has chosen the things that please God. And that can only be accomplished through God's salvation. And then it goes on to say, And take hold of my covenant, of the gospel of the Bible, the word of God, the Bible, is the covenant of God. The law, which is the Bible, is the covenant of God. Even unto them will I give, because uh, it is all the gift of God in mine house and within my walls, a place and a name, better than of sons and of daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Here the Lord is without any question making it clear of how a eunuch is someone that God views um, or can be used in the Bible as someone God views very favorably as a child of God, as someone with an everlasting name, and despite the fact that, That he has been made a eunuch. Now we read in Matthew 19, in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 19, it says there, for there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and that would be Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and others, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. And, and that would, as far as those who made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake, well, there are some people that devote their lives to service of God and and they never marry they never have children they um, they're in their single condition their single state they serve god and since god says that you know outside of marriage uh there's not to be sexual relations that that's not um an odd thing that that's that's not uh a crazy idea by the way, as our modern society would have us believe, there there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, someone who is not involved in a marriage relationship, and that's the only place there should be sexual relations, is in the intimate relationship of marriage. Should not, and and the child of God would not be involved in any sort of sexual activity, and therefore, uh, if that person is doing so to serve God, they've made themselves a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Uh, Or even, um, it could be that someone has been married, but divorced, and now they understand, the Bible says, I'm not to remarry, I I cannot... um, Get remarried to someone else and my wife, uh, who I'm divorced from has remarried and therefore I can't return to her. And so what am I to do? Well, according to the Bible, that person's to stay celibate. They're, they're not to seek, um, marriage and, and therefore they're like a eunuch in that sense for the kingdom of heaven's sake, for the word's sake, for the sake of being obedient to the word of God, the Bible. They live um, without uh, sexual relations of any kind. And they can live happily. Uh, uh, just look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, when we look at uh, the, the lives of people, and we look at, uh, the lives of people in the Bible and what are we, what do we look at when we're reading their lives? When, when we're sort of evaluating their life as we read about these people in the Bible, are we reading how much fun they had? Is that what, um, finally forms our opinion or our estimate that they had a good life that that they had a worthy life or a valuable life do do we look to see how much fun they had how much pleasure they were able to derive from living or maybe their possessions and how how do we come to form that opinion of someone's life in the bible and well do we have a good opinion of Daniel, the prophet? And when we read of Daniel, we have uh, a very high opinion of him. And what about his life? Well, we would recognize and acknowledge he had an extremely difficult life while he lived in this world, didn't he? At first, um, his life would have probably seemed privileged. He he may have been of royal blood, it may be a child of a king or a prince of of Judah. Uh, after all, remember God does tell us in Isaiah chapter thirty nine, the Lord prophesied to King Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah thirty nine verse five Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of Jehovah of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith Jehovah, and of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shall beget, they shall take away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of Jehovah which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. The Lord told Hezekiah, Your sons, your descendants, will be eunuchs in the palace of the, of the king of Babylon, and where does Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wind up? As a eunuch in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. You now, we, as far as I can tell, we can't tell for sure that they were descendants of of uh, royalty, or uh, it it could be they were they were uh, descendants of princes of Judah of some kind, but but certainly they uh would have had a much different life in their early days while living in judah they they would have had a much easier life and uh filled with uh greater ease and and th- then later when they were taken as captives and viewed very lowly they uh, just imagine uh, that ruthless king and that ruthless army of the Babylonians, uh, having complete control over you and carrying you away into a far land, the land of Babylon, where uh, you are going to serve the king and, but before you do that, we're going, uh, the, the Babylonians make you a eunuch. That would have been Grievous all by itself, wouldn't it? To have been made a eunuch and, and there goes with whatever, uh, plans you had for marriage, for children. There goes, um, your, your whole future that you might have been uh, dreaming of or hoping for or expecting. Uh, it, forget it now. You're in a far country. You're in a strange place with a people who speak a strange language and they have operated on you, turning you into a eunuch. And, and then as we read in Daniel one, they're giving you strange food and, and you have to learn all these things in order to serve the king of Babylon. Can you imagine how hard it would be? Um, if you place yourself there to serve the king of Babylon, who had done all these things to your people, maybe your parents were killed, or or certainly friends, neighbors were killed, others were were treated maybe more cruelly than you were, and what was done to you yourself? Can you imagine resisting the the natural tendency to anger to just despise this king of babylon and and to despise your um your situation your predicament what has happened to you or maybe not not to be angry but to be uh depressed and cast down and and just sorrowing feeling sorry for yourself oh Ah oh, poor me! look at what has happened to me and and what about God? Where is God? Where is the God of Judah, the God of our fathers, this God that that we trusted in? How could he allow the this evil king Nebuchadnezzar to have conquered Judea and to have overcome? Jerusalem and, and then, uh, later on, not at that time, you find out from other captives as the, uh, the process continues and Jerusalem is finally besieged and, and the, you find out the temple is burnt to the ground. Uh, it, it, we, we just don't have really, um, a good understanding of how Incredibly grievous this historical destruction of Judea and the temple and the, the being carried away into Babylon captives really was for the people of that time. And they were people. They had thoughts and feelings and uh, just like we do today. And so did Daniel. And these are the circumstances that Daniel, a young boy, a a teenager for all uh, we can tell, and his three young friends, that these are the circumstances that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves in. It would have been easy, easy to just give up. To, uh, to give up to depression, to feeling sorry for yourself for the rest of your life and, and to give up on God, to, uh, to cease to serve this God that has abandoned you, that has, uh, turned you over into the hands of this evil king. And yet, we do not read uh, when we do read the the account of the book of Daniel we do not read of people that have given up on their god that have given up on life we do not read of um uh, of young men that that are hopeless that that um are full of anger and self-pity Instead, we read some of the most inspiring, God-glorifying events that are recorded in the Bible that these men are found to perform because they continue to trust God. They continue to wait on God, to look to God. They refuse to give in. To the king of Babylon, to circumstances, to the world that that has pressed upon them, and and they refused to give in to the tribulation and and to the affliction that has afflicted them so grievously, and to give in to self pity. Self pity would be uh, just a, a terrible thing, wouldn't it? It'd be so easy to, uh, to allow your mind just to feel sorry for yourself. Oh, poor me. Poor me. Look at where I am. I had it all. I, I was of, uh, a child of a prince or, or of royal blood. I, I was, um, well respected and honored uh, in Judea and Judea was the place to be, it was the apple of God's eye. And now look, now look, I'm around these savages in, in this, this, uh, Babylonian palace and, and this king I cannot stand. Oh, I, I, I hate him so much for what he has done to my people and to me. Look what he's done to me. Poor me. I cannot have children, I cannot uh have a wife and a family, and I have no one to carry on my name. I'm a dry tree. And you you can you just see uh how they the tendency that we all have to feel sorry for ourselves, well there you have the perfect circumstances for a pity party if there ever were any and yet we read that the king of Babylon makes a golden image, and he commands everyone to bow down to the image. And if you do not bow down to the image, in that same hour you'll be cast into a burning, fiery furnace, and and be destroyed. And who refuses to bow down? Three uh, young. Hebrew children or, or young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they stand up to the king, these eunuchs, these lowly despised eunuchs that, that we've taken from the land of Judah, all the rest of the captives from the land of Judah, apparently, or most of them, they have no problem bowing down, but these, these eunuchs refuse well, let's throw them into the burning fiery furnace. What, what a terrible, uh, threat that was. What a fearful threat it was. On top of everything else, now to, to stand for the law of God, to stand faithfully to keep the word of God in the face of that danger, that threat of being thrown into a burning, fiery furnace, and and yet they did stand by God's grace. They were able to continue to be faithful in the most difficult circumstances possible, and they were actually faithful unto death as they were thrown into the fiery furnace, and that was a sure death, a sure death. If if that happens a billion times, well, a billion times you're going to burn to death. But only this once, only this once in all of history does God intervene and protect, protect his people, his servants, his eunuchs. He protects his eunuchs. He's given them an everlasting name that cannot be cut off, no matter how much the king of Babylon tries to cut off that name, by making them eunuchs, by now casting them into a burning, fiery furnace, they will not have their name cut off because one like the Son of Man enters into the fire and protects them. And, of course, we have Daniel's situation later with the lion's den. And, and, and so, you know, as we read the Bible and we read about the lives of these young men, we read that they had a good life, that they had a life that we respect and we, we acknowledge was an honorable life. They live faithfully. They lived uprightly in the most extreme difficult circumstances that we could think of and they honor God, they glorify God, they serve God from the beginning and they endured to the end. And so we look upon uh, Daniel and, and his three friends and we recognize, don't we? We recognize, well, yes, it was, it was very hard and they sure didn't have all the, the pleasures, the conveniences that we have today. They, they didn't have, um, the technology. They, they didn't have the, as much fun as we have today, did they? Oh no, no, very, very, very hard life. And yet, when we look at their lives and we see that the way they lived and trusted God, we we acknowledge Daniel as one of the greatest men of faith that the Bible presents. And we would like to be like Daniel. We would like to be like those uh, three young men and And so you know it really helps us to look at our own life. and when we we do look at our life and we see that we lack things or and and just take a look at your life and see when you have the things of the world, when you have the earthly things and you have the things that that make life easy, and you do a lot of laughing and and a lot of things like that. What real value is there in those things? If, if your life were written out on the pages of the Bible, would anybody look at your life and have respect for the way you and I lived our lives as we, we have respect for the way that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived their lives? And often the answer is no. No, we, We may have ease from one day to the next, and we may evaluate our life on the level of ease and and dis-ease or discomfort we experience from one day to the next. We have things really um, in in a wrong understanding if we think that a good life is living without discomfort or dis-ease living uh, without trials and troubles and afflictions, that does not determine a good life. A good life is one in which we have been faithful to the Word of God, the Bible, and faithful through the end, enduring to the end. Any that endure to the end, it can be said you have lived a good life. You may have had all kinds of people against you and all kinds of things said about you and all kinds of others may have thought well or even said you get a life. And by that they they mean stop reading the Bible, stop trying to serve God or wait on God and 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 start living, that is start sinning. Start seeking after pleasure. Start doing the things all the rest of us are doing. Be like us. And, and if you do, you'll lose your life. You'll have no good life. And, and it will, it will be an easy life because the broad way that leads to destruction is an easy way to travel. But that straight gate is not easy at all. Well, we, we got or I got sort of off course. There, we were talking about eunuchs. Let's let's just read. Um, I, I I did want to talk about Ebed Melik. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to have time for that. Let's let's first go to Acts chapter eight and read of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter eight, beginning in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose, and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so open he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip, and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? This of himself, or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through he preached in all the cities, till he came to Caesarea. Well, here we find an Ethiopian eunuch, a man of great authority, and we're not surprised by that, because uh, many officials in kings' courts were chamberlains or eunuchs, and 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 here he was under Candace, the queen, and and so it would have been in keeping with the um the tendency of those times for kings to trust someone to have dealings with his queen, they were they were made eunuchs and, and so was this Ethiopian eunuch and we find that he has uh a copy of Isaiah the prophet. Isn't that something? Here is is a man that that is from Another country, Ethiopia, which is near Egypt, and he has the Word of God, the Bible. You know, we we tend to think in the Old Testament, the Bible was in Israel. the The Word of God was in Israel only, in it, and that that is where it it was centered, uh, as as God gave the prophets. Uh, his oracles and they prophesied and the word of God w- was mainly found there. Uh, but, but the word of God also, um, was able to spread in nowhere near the way it would spread during the New Testament era as is beginning to take place, uh, with Philip going forth and with the disciples that, that are sent uh, out into the world uh, with the gospel uh, and and so the gospel will spread far and wide like never before but still in the old testament god had certain people in various nations that were elect not as many because it was not his program to uh, send forth the gospel into all the nations and and therefore um uh, God did not at that time have his elect born into far distant lands that is since God was not sending the gospel into north and South America in the old Testament at, at least after the days of Peleg when the continents would have drifted apart and formed north and South America that God had no elect in those nations and Therefore, there was no need to get the gospel over to the uh, natives that, that were in North and South America or in other distant islands or, or places of the world. It, it would only be when God would send forth the gospel and have missionaries go that elect would be born into the world. And they would have to hear the gospel, and so God just arranged things that at that time, uh, it, it, when the gospel was reaching further out, that the elect would be born uh, and reached by the word of God. And so here is a man of Ethiopia. The Bible tells us that the word of God reached Ruth, the Moabitess. It reached Naaman, the Syrian and it reached the people of Nineveh. So, yes, there were others outside of Israel that were God's elect, and God would always make arrangement. But here, apparently, there was at least the the book of Isaiah or portions of the book of Isaiah that were available to people, and maybe the Ethiopian eunuch since... He is is on a road from Jerusalem unto Gaza. Uh, maybe he's coming from Jerusalem, and maybe he received this portion of the book of Isaiah. But notice, no matter, he's doing what people would have done a hundred years before or two hundred years before that. He's returning back to Ethiopia with a portion of the word of God, the Bible. So God uh, could use that. As that Ethiopian eunuch returns back, maybe he gives it to Candace the queen, or he gives it to some of his friends or his family and and others. And, And So we don't know what God would do with his word. We do know his word always accomplishes the purpose that God sent it forth to do. And it's just very, um, encouraging as we read that, that the Ethiopian eunuch was in possession of the word of God. And then he sought some man should guide me. Now, of course, uh, in, in this case, God has sent Philip to guide him, to instruct him into truth and and, and you know god the holy spirit guides us into truth doesn't he god the holy spirit leads his people into truth we were told that in john 16 that the holy spirit will guide us into all truth but god the holy spirit does not always work within the individual alone or or uh, for, What I mean is, of course, it, the Holy Spirit works within his elect. But what I mean is that uh, uh, an individual in his Bible, like the Ethiopian eunuch in his Bible, uh, it can read and lack understanding, even though the Ethiopian apparently was an elect, and I think undoubtedly was, yet he lacks understanding concerning what he's reading. So, God, the Holy Spirit guides him into greater understanding, not by giving him some sort of um new knowledge instantaneously as he reads uh, all by himself, but by directing Philip, another child of God who who understands a little bit more than this Ethiopian, uh, uh, because he has spent longer time with Jesus. And so Philip comes, and the Holy Spirit uses Philip to instruct the Ethiopian eunuch in what he was reading. And that is often how God has worked God the Holy Spirit to guide into truth. God the Lord Jesus multiplies the bread and feeds the multitude, but he breaks the bread and he gives to his disciples and then we're told he gives the disciples to the multitude. And and that's the process that God has determined to use. He gives understanding i'll I'll put it in terms we are very familiar with. God gives understanding to a man like Mr. Camping, and he gives also a, a platform, um, an audience of many in the world. for Mr. Camping, then that God has first opened up his understanding and and made um, it so that that he can understand. Then Mr. Camping turns around and gives the bread to all those that he can reach. And, and then the listeners of the open forum or the Bible study on family radio, they can listen to Mr. Camping and as he, uh, has been shown himself and now shares what he has been shown by God to them. And so the God. The Lord God, the Holy Spirit has worked to guide into truth, as God uses people, His people, to teach. He He uses them now today. Um, of course, we have people they don't want any human teachers, and they they just have a complete misunderstanding of how God operates and how God has worked throughout time, all through uh, biblical history. And here's a good historical example of God, the Holy Spirit, guiding a person into truth through the use of a human, uh, to man like Philip, to teach him something about a portion of the Bible. And it might be other people that teach the or taught the Ethiopian eunuch about other portions. But God, the Holy Spirit, is the consistent um, force behind it all that, that instructs his people into matters of truth. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.